Thank you so much for uh, allowing us to be here with you today. It's, it's a great privilege and an honor. Uh, I feel extremely humbled and inadequate, to be honest with you. Uh, I know your pastor, I've known him for many years, and Allie uh, saw Brother Jay uh, come into the church as a new believer and just get plugged in and grow and, and saw him and Allie with their ministry in the, with the college and career uh, students and just saw how God really used them in mighty ways. And honestly, Jay just blew past me in growth and, and just uh, praise the Lord for what he's doing in his life and how he's using him. You guys need to understand how blessed you are. Uh, he's a great man of God. And, and so it's very important. I know why he asked me to preach this morning because that way you'll appreciate him more. So, <laughs> so we're going to share a little about, uh, about our ministry. I think I'm a little hot on the mics. Is it echoing to you guys? Okay, it's echoing up here. So I, that's just my ears then. Okay, so obviously we're the Haydens. This is, uh, what? Yes, it is us. <laughs> she didn't recognize us, sorry. Um, so this is my wife. She said that I, I cannot say that this is my beautiful wife. So uh, instead, this is my wonderful helpmate that God has blessed me with. And uh, he has, uh, honestly, she is, she, other than the Lord Jesus Christ, she is the thing that keeps me going. Uh, there are a lot of times in the ministry that uh, things get tough, as, as anybody who's been in the ministry of any kind before knows. Uh, but we're, we're, uh, We've been, I'll give you a little background first, just so you'll know where we're coming from. We've been at Decatur Baptist Church, or I have, since I was three years old. And uh, my wife has been there since 1991-ish. Uh, and that's when we met and married and uh, grew up in church there. Uh, some some great training in our church, men that loved the Word of God and, and taught us the Word of God. And, and we're very thankful for that, and we don't take any of that for granted uh, but uh, to stand and to teach the Word of God, it's so exciting to hear that you guys are going through the 52 weeks uh, because the only thing that can change our lives is the Word of God. Uh, you know, I could stand up here and give a speech or whoever could, and, but that's not going to change anything. It may change your mind, but it's not going to change your life. The only thing that can change your life is, is getting into the Word of God and letting the God of the Word get into you. And, and I hope that, and I believe that that's what's going on here. It's... Uh, it's exciting to know you guys already have a great investment in Zambia. I know you've had guys that actually served here in this church that are there now. You've had people come over and share. Uh, and Africa has a special place in your heart. Uh, so we kind of feel like family. Uh, you know, I know a lot of you guys don't know me. Some of you do. Uh, we were uh, able to meet a few guys at one of our men's breakfast. And so that was a, a blessing and a privilege. But if you would, oh, I'm doing this. Let me do this. Okay. So, um, who will tell me about the love of Jesus Christ? That's really the focus of us being there. Um, sometimes we fail to realize the need that's in the world. Uh, we look at the world around us and we see, and I think it's probably the same in Huntsville as it is in Decatur, but you see a church on every corner. Uh, you talk to people out in public and pretty much most people, they know about God, they know about Jesus Christ. Whether they have a relationship with him or not is another thing, but but there is the knowledge there. And, and, but we need to realize that there are people all over the world, outside of the United States, that don't have the same opportunities that we have. And that's, God uh, used us for many years. He, uh, he called me back in 1988, and then Sherry joined me uh, about 25 years ago in working with the deaf here in the United States. And, and Romans 10:14, how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? God used that to penetrate my heart and to call us to work with the deaf for the past 25 years. And God has, has done some wonderful and amazing things uh, in our lives and helping us to grow and to learn what ministry is all about. And we're so thankful for that. Um, in 2015, uh, I don't know if anybody's here today that remembers um, when Brother Hank was here at the church. Um, and okay, so there are a few. So at that same time, my father was still alive and they were renovating this uh, auditorium area. And my father uh, was blessed to come over and help lay some of the tile out here in the foyer. So we've got a, a small investment in the church here. So we're excited to, about that. But um, my dad, when he retired from his secular job, he took his retirement and went to Zambia, Africa for about nine years with my stepmom. 
and he was involved with another missionary there. Um, and the ministry was really church planting based. It wasn't, uh, they didn't go and pastor churches. They went and trained men to pastor churches so that when they're off the field, those, those churches continue to thrive and grow and the gospel continues to spread. Um, and, um, he had continually uh, urged us to join and to go and to see, and and so my wife was very hesitant, uh, just to say the least, uh, very hesitant about going. And uh, because she wasn't willing to go, I didn't go. And I actually said I'd never go to Zambia. Africa. Yeah, she said she would never go. <laughs> and uh, so um, I had been on several mission trips. I've uh, been to Belize a couple of times. Been to. Uh, Bulgaria and Taiwan, and God had just really over the years burdened my heart with the need around the world and gave me a hunger and a desire to be on the mission field, you know, and we were able to do some of that here with the deaf. We had to learn a new language and a new culture and that, so we were learning some things, but but I just, there was always that nagging in my soul of going overseas and, and sharing with people who hadn't heard, but uh, with her not willing to go, because I knew exactly what God would do when when I got there. I knew what he was going to do, and so I was like, if you're not going, I'm not going. Uh, when, when you, you know, surrender to go and see, I'll go and see, and then we'll let God do what he wants to do. So, because the last thing I wanted to do is drag her there and her not be willing to be there, right? Um, so my dad, he, but he wouldn't let up. He continued to invite us and encourage us to come. And uh, so finally, I mean, we just for, I guess, 2014, we started really feeling unsettled, like there was more. God had more for us. And we weren't really sure what that was all about, but but we wanted to be a part of it, whatever he wanted. And uh, so we started praying, and, and God worked in her heart, and God worked in my heart. My dad came back from a trip. So the past, the last two years, 2015 to 2014, they had had to come off the field for health reasons. And so they were just taking uh, two trips a year for a month each. And uh, he had been there in uh, July for a month, and he'd come off the field and was sharing with Sherry and I about what God was doing over there and about some of the villages that had opened up, uh, one of the chiefdoms that had, I don't remember, do you remember the number? Close to 500 uh, villages that had not heard the gospel. And, uh, you know, God is just really tugging on us. And, and she came to me and said, I think we should go. And I'm like, well, I, I think we should too. And so, so we committed to my dad. Next summer, we're going to go with you to Zambia, Africa. And uh, God blessed, but uh, little did we realize two weeks later, my dad would die of a massive heart attack. So that's one of my regrets. I never got to be on the field in Zambia with my dad. But, uh, but when he died, uh, you know, we thought, well, that missionary couple's still there. Uh, we could go and train under them if God leads us there, and, and they could show us the ropes, and, you know, because we don't know anything about that kind of stuff. And uh, so... Um, we went ahead and planned. My dad had a trip planned in November. Every November, uh, they would take, they would buy maize seed, which you'll see in the pictures. They would buy maize seed and take it to the church planters and the pastors to help them so that they didn't have to spend all their time earning the income. They would, were able to focus on the, the word and, and prayer. Uh, so that was scheduled for November, and my dad obviously wasn't going to be able to go. And uh, God just immediately began working in my heart that, I needed to do that. I needed to fulfill his, his uh, obligation. And uh, so I told the Lord, you know, you work it out, I'll go. Uh, but I don't have any idea what I'm doing, but I'll go. And so I'm thinking this missionary couple, they'll be there. They can show me what to do. Well, uh, so we planned. We started planning to go, and that missionary couple was coming on furlough. And you guys have met uh, Johannes Gitana, I think. He's a missionary to the deaf in Zambia. And... Um, this other missionary, and Johannes had come in for a missions conference that fall, and so we were going to make plans when they got here of what we were going to do. Well, uh, turned out when they got here, uh, some things had happened on the field, and they were not going back to the field. So then I'm like, oh no, what in the world am I going to do now? <laughs> you know, I have no idea. <clears throat> I'm hurrying. Okay. Uh, and uh, so anyway, yeah, I talk too much. But anyway, so God worked it out, and I went and uh, was able to be involved in that. Johannes took me everywhere I needed to go, and that was the beginning of our ministry in Zambia. Uh, so we've, for the past few years, we've gone twice a year. Um, Sherry has been four times, I think, and I've been eight times. 
she gets to go in the summers when she's out of school. She's still in school. She's still in third grade. But uh, no, no, she, she can't she, seem to pass third grade. Yeah, she teaches third grade. So, so anyway, that's that's kind of our background. Um, and we, you know, this was the first trip Sherry was was with me uh, in Zambia, and we just really felt the the presence and the peace of the Lord that uh, that He was directing us to step in that direction. Now, at this time, we're thinking we can do this a couple of times a year. Uh, this at this point, this wasn't a we're moving full time type of thing, but. Uh, our key purpose is to glorify God by obeying his call to reach the lost for Christ. And our focus is the people of Zambia, Africa. Uh, and how will we do that? But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So we've got to have his power. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, that's a pretty tall order. And God has called every one of us as believers to do that. So how do we, how are we in two places at one time? Because he says both and, right? And we're going to see in the message this morning that we do that through partnerships. Uh, we can, we can be like right now I'm right here, but I'm in Zambia, Africa this morning. And I'm in some other countries this morning because I've have key partnerships around the world. Uh, our strategy is to reach, train up, and send out reproducing church planters to establish training centers and reproducing churches, both locally in Zambia and into the eight countries bordering Zambia and Northern Africa, and then ultimately the world. That's our that's our strategy. Um, key places. I know. How many of you guys have been into Africa before? Okay, awesome. So, how many of you guys have been outside of the U.S. before? Okay, a lot. Okay, good, good. So you kind of have an idea. When you leave America, it's different. It's a different culture. It's a different language. It's a different way of life, right? Uh, so right here, you see we're, we're ministering in Zambia, Africa, and that number, I've got 14.8 million people. I think it's more like 18 million now. Uh, our focus is Zambia, but our desire, uh, our next step, if you will, is those eight surrounding countries that border Zambia. You see Angola, Namibia, Botswana, Zimbabwe, Mozambique, Malawi, Tanzania, and the Congo. And uh, if you total all those people up together, you've got over 150 million people. Now, that's not where, where it ends. This is, this is Zambia itself. And if you'll see, we've got it pointed to the southern province. That's where our main ministry is. We have eight church planters. Seven of those church planters are in the southern province. And one is in the eastern province, close to Chipata, where where you know Mandy and uh, Justin Bedwell are and uh, Dan and Jan Jalowick. Yes, I, I was make sure I didn't get their names wrong. So. Uh, and so that's, that's where we focus our efforts right now. We have about uh, between 250 and 300 churches that are under these eight church planters. Um, but the third uh, step there, if you'll notice, you see this red line here in Africa. Um, so all the, all the bottom part where the yellow is, the, the gospel has been preached there, okay? But the red line represents uh, a, an invisible line of Islamic, uh, an Islamic way that's, that's sweeping through Africa. And, and this doesn't really, well, you have the green. So that, the red area is Muslim conflict because you've got the Christian area and the Muslim area close together. But everything above that red area pretty much, is Muslim. So our goal is to train up men to go out into Zambia, to go to those eight bordering countries, and then to go into the countries above. Because they can go there because of who they are, where me, as a white American, uh, I'm not welcome in those countries. They, they know why I'm there, and they don't want me there. So uh, that's kind of our plan. This is one of our church planters in Mala, uh, this is the deaf school in Lusaka that we were able to minister some in. This is my wife, Sherry, doing some ministry there. This is a, uh, the last time we were there, we were blessed to uh, establish a new church. Um, and as you can see, the facilities there are a little rustic. They're not quite like this beautiful building. Uh, the bathroom is right around that uh, tree back there, if you can see that. <laughs> but uh, now this was actually the first church meeting in this village. Uh, so God blessed us with being able to be a part of that uh, church plant. This is another area where we were able, able to start a new church plant. Uh, and I believe the first one we had, well, I don't know with the first place, uh, how many were saved. With that second one there, 
we had roughly 60 to 70 people saved um, that first meeting. And then there was also another village, and I think the, I probably took the slide out, but uh, we were able to preach and saw they had never heard the gospel. We had about 17 in that village get saved, and we uh, were really blessed to be a part of what God's doing there. Our key people, uh, these are our, the names of our uh, church planters. I won't read them. You can read. Uh, you probably won't remember them anyway. So, but if you ever have a desire to, to know these names and to pray for these guys, you let me know. Get our prayer card, our email address. I'll send you the names. You can pray for them, and, and that would be a tremendous help. Uh, these are our church planters, uh, just a meeting that we were having to discuss our future plans. This is the one that's up near Chapada to the right. This is Brother Miller and his family. Another church planter uh, down close to uh, the Botswana border. We're actually sending him uh, or helping to send him to Botswana. He's a, he's a Zambian national that's going to go into Botswana. Did you have a question, Jay? No, that's Todd Smith. And uh, he's, he's a key partner for us. So, so when that missionary couple left and we started going, uh, God connected us with him and his wife. Um, they lived in Georgia. They, I don't know if any of you have ever heard of Ringgold, Georgia, where they have a Harvest Deaf Ministries, a deaf school there. And we had a lot of interaction with that deaf school because of our ministry. Had been up there a bunch of times working on the school and stuff. Well, they lived a few miles down the road from that school, had one of their... Uh, uh, families in their church children went to that school they were there off and on all the time and we had never met but we met you know 24 hours away on a plane uh, in Zambia Africa so that's that's a God thing right there but uh, when I met him you know there's the question God how in the world are we going to do this I don't have anybody that I know that I can work with if we try to do this and God said you can work with him Key provisions. This is this is one of the main things that, that we bring to the table for Zambia. Uh, Bibles. They you know Bible there costs thirteen dollars a month. I mean thirteen dollars, which is more than a month's wage. So I, you got a Bible this morning? Did it cost you a month's worth of salary? I mean, can, can you imagine how many in here would not have a Bible if it did cost you that much? Uh, and so they're they're Bible poor. So we we try to help provide Bibles. Uh, we provide training, bicycles, seed, coats, goats, blankets, food, school fees, medicines, motorcycles, and roofing materials. And you'll see a few of those. One of the great things is this proclaimer. We've got a little one on the table over here, and it's an audio Bible. There are, is a great problem with illiteracy in Zambia. And so the, the uh, proclaimers are, are a key to getting the Word of God out into these villages where people, uh, they, don't, they don't read, they don't write. So... Uh, and I, we train the ones that do read and write. They're the leaders. But then we get the word of God out there. And this usually, these things are, are very key in starting new works. Uh, uh, this was a Jesus film that we showed in one of the villages. Uh, we get involved in helping with the roofs. This is the seed we were talking about that we provide. We buy that, take it out there. We pray over it and pray for God to bring a harvest. Because if they don't have that harvest... It's been known at times that they would actually eat dirt. So I don't know if you can imagine that, but uh, uh, that harvest is a key, and, and God has blessed in mighty ways there. But uh, bicycles for the church planters, they'll, they'll wear the tires off of one of these bicycles in, in a year. Um, these are goats for widows. So a lot of the widows, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, with the lifespan in Africa, but in Zambia... Uh, it's between 40 and 50 is, is an old man, okay? The average is in the 30s. Uh, so a lot of people grow up, and that's because of AIDS, okay, and because of past traditional history. Um, and, but there is God is blessed, and they have been getting education on that, and, and, and that's changing. But these uh, goats provide an income for the widow. They, they will raise goats, and they will milk goats, and they will whatever they need to do. So it's a, it's a major help. Uh, Coats. Uh, we have people here provide coats that we ship over there. Um, um, that last ahead. picture, my school, I work at Prosper Elementary School, and the last few days of school, they actually gave me all the lost and found items. So we took them home, and some people at our church helped me wash them all, and we packed as many as we possibly could get in our suitcases um, to take, and we just pulled off the side of the road in a bush area and gave out coats, and they were so thrilled. 
just to get a coat. So go ahead and talk about this a little bit. Um, well, that's Virginia that's standing beside me. She's my interpreter. And on the, I'm dyslexic, so give me a second. On your right, on your right side, I'm sharing the gospel with those, that group of women. On the left side, that, it's a group of women that already knew, heard the gospels, already learning to share the gospel on their own, and, and I was teaching how to let your light shine. Um, we were also having a women's conference that day, so it was a really neat time. So this is the village that I mentioned earlier where we had 17 saved. They had never had the gospel before, and we were able to preach to them. 17 got saved, and afterwards we showed the Jesus film, and, and a church was started there. So uh, Sherry pumping water. We were able to be a part of the uh, celebration for getting the ELA translation out in the New Testament. Um, Divine appointments. God used this little girl, a terrible accident uh, that Satan actually had a part in. Um, but he used this little girl and a, and a grandmother to uh, to help us to direct us to the hospital. And while we were there ministering to them, we had to wait because uh, they were bathing the elderly lady. So they let us go into the ER uh, and the ICU area there, which is nothing like here. But anyway, we were able to pray with the people and talk with the people. And an 80-year-old lady came in. Uh, that had just been diagnosed with cancer, terminal cancer. And uh, we were able to witness to her because of that accident that we would have never met her before and she got saved. So that was that was a blessing. So what? Okay, that's the last one. So, um, and the Lord says, who will go for me? So what about you? Will you go for him? Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. Will you go? Will you send? Thank you. All right, so if you want to just cut that off, and how do I cut this off? So uh, it's not about us, though. We're here because we, we're blessed to join him in his work. So if you would, open up the Word of God, and we're going to get into the, the reason we're really here this morning. Uh, and turn with me to Luke chapter 5, and we're definitely going to have to fly through some of this, and some of this I'm not going to be able to cover, but we'll... We'll hit the high points, and I'll learn to quit talking so much next time. And as you turn in there, Luke chapter 5, just uh, a verse that you're all aware of and familiar with probably. Our ultimate purpose in life as a Christian is to bring glory to God. Uh, John 15, 8 through 9 says, Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. So we find ourselves here almost 2,000 years after Jesus gave the Great Commission to the disciples. Uh, and it's called the Great Commission, right, rightly so, because we are to join Jesus in his mission. Jesus, was he came from heaven. God sent him on a mission to accomplish here on the earth. And I know you are all aware of that mission. And we're going to look at some verses that... that uh, allude to that, but uh, we're here 2,000 years later, and the sad thing uh, when you think about it is we're not closer to fulfilling that commission today than, than they were then. We're further away, and the question that I want to leave you with, if you don't remember anything else, is why are we in that condition? Why has the world not been reached with the gospel? And sadly, I'm going to say that that's my fault. And that's your fault. And that's those in this world that call themselves Christians. It's our fault. Because Jesus left us here with that responsibility. And he has not failed. But we have failed to fulfill that work. And uh, that's what we want to look at this morning. just want to encourage us to be fully engaged in the mission that God has for us. So that this commission that he has given us, this responsibility that he's given us, can be fulfilled. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. And we're just going to walk through the passage together. I was going to read the whole thing and then come back, but we'll read it as we go uh, for time's sake. Uh, we're going to read verse 1 here. It says, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. So we've got a group of people that are pressing on Jesus to hear the word of God. They are desiring the word of God. Now that's a difficult concept for us to understand in our culture. Uh, or at least it is for me sometimes. I don't know about you, but... 
I, very rarely do I have somebody running up and asking me to teach them the Word of God. Okay, In our culture, uh, we're a little different than that. Uh, but that's not the case in other parts in the world. Um, now, those who have been outside our borders, you may have experienced something similar to, to people pressing on you to hear the Word of God. Or, or maybe some of those in here who are older, uh, you may remember some of the great crusades in the U.S., right? But uh, those are things of the past in the United States. And uh, there are definitely still people who need the Word of God. And we still have a work to do here. But the openness and the desire to hear the Word of God uh, has, has waned. But um, that's not true in other cultures. In our culture, Amos 8.11, God uh, was talking to the nation of Israel, and he basically told the situation in our culture today. He says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And that's where we're at in our country, and it's a sad, sad state to be in. And we need to be in prayer for that. Um, but Jesus understood the tremendous need of, of the people getting the Word of God. He understood that the Word of God was the life-changing agent. And as a result of that, he took off his crown. He took off his robe. He, took, he laid down his scepter. He got off his throne. And he left his comfort zone. And he came here to a sinful, corrupt world. And uh, are we better than the Master? Are we willing to lay down our comforts and our preferences, the things that we love and desire to get the gospel to the people who need it? Uh, and, and that's what I want us to internalize today. Um, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. That was his mission. Uh, Luke 19.10. Jesus knew. And I'm going to get you to turn here. John 3.18. Jesus knew that the people were already condemned. And sometimes we overlook this. Uh, we, we know John 3.16, probably everybody in here can say it backwards and forwards. Uh, the kids that were in here earlier, they can say it. And it's a great verse, right? But we, we kind of overlook the verses around it. Uh, John 3.18 says, He that believeth on him is not condemned. Praise the Lord. If you believe on him, you're not condemned. Amen? Uh, but the next part's not so exciting. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So what does that mean? That means if, if somebody hasn't heard the gospel and somebody hasn't received Jesus Christ, they're already condemned. Do you understand that? And sometimes we, we overlook that. We think, oh, well, you know, those people over in those other countries that haven't heard, God will have mercy on them and they'll be okay because they've never heard, right? That's not what the book says. The book says they're condemned already. The book says that God has revealed himself through his creation to every person, and we're all accountable, we're all responsible. And if we don't respond to the gospel, then we're going to die and go to hell, an eternal place of torment. And when I think about that, I think of family and friends and coworkers and neighbors. And it's easy for that to touch my heart a little bit, right? Because I know those people. But we fail to think about those outside of our borders who have never heard the name of Jesus, who have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. They don't know that Jesus died for our sins. They don't know that he was buried and rose again to take our sins away. They don't know that he gave us the opportunity to receive the gift of eternal life when he was risen from the dead. They don't understand that. Nobody has shared that with them. And Romans chapter 10, this is actually my, my life ministry verse that God called me into the ministry with. Romans chapter 10, verse uh, 14. We talked about it a few minutes ago. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? So, I have some, some numbers here. Uh, let's see. 17,000 plus people groups are considered unreached people groups. Okay? Now, that really is kind of an ambiguous number. We don't what does that mean? Who, who knows? Uh, but unreached people, 3.14 billion. Okay, that's unreached. So an unreached people group means that they do have someone that is actively trying to reach them. They just have not reached that 2% threshold yet. Okay, unreached, unengaged people group, 
217 million. Those are those that have never heard the gospel. Nobody shared the gospel with them. Where will they go when they die? And who is responsible? You know, we want to, we want to put it off on them. Or we want to put it off on Jay Shug or, or the other pastor. It's our responsibility, okay? As Christians, it's our responsibility. He gave you the commission. He gave you the responsibility to take the gospel, to be the witness. Now, can you be everywhere at one time? No. We saw that in Acts 1.8. We're supposed to be in more places at one time than one. How do we do that? We do that through partnerships. Uh, and I praise the Lord for being in a church that I know is engaged in partnerships. I know that there are people all over this world sharing the gospel because of what you give and what you do and that you pray for and you encourage and lift them up and, and you're a partner in the gospel with them. But the question is, can we do more? Do we pray enough? Do we give enough? Do we go enough? Um, how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they hear without a preacher? Okay. How, they, they can't call on him if they haven't believed. They can't believe in him if they haven't heard. And they can't hear without somebody to take and, and preach the gospel to them, right? And how shall they preach except they be sent? So we have several responsibilities there, right? We have a responsibility to go and to tell, and we have a responsibility to send. And that responsibility falls on every one of us. You know, we're, we're in the process of trying to go. Does that mean we're not responsible to send? Absolutely not. We are still just as responsible to send people as we are to go. And wherever you're at in your life today, wherever you're at in your walk with Christ, that's your responsibility. So how does this work? Let's look at uh, uh, verse 2. The same came to Jesus. I'm in John 3. Let me get back to Luke 5. So back to Luke 5, uh, chapter, chapter 5, verse 2. And I don't know if you guys can tell, but I'm as nervous as a, as a cat in a room full of rocking chairs. So I apologize for that. But uh, verse 2, uh, it says, And Jesus saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. You know, that's how we are a lot of times. We're to be fishers of men, but a lot of times we're sitting back washing our nets, right? And uh, so these guys have toiled all night. They have fished all night, and they have caught nothing. They're tired. They're worn out. They're ready to go home. How many of you have ever felt, felt like that before? Right? You probably feel like that right now, right? I wish he'd be quiet so I could go home and get some rest. But, uh, so, so they're ready to go home. And uh, there's something that we need to understand. If we're going to accomplish God's purpose, we're going to have to yield ourselves to the will of the master. Okay, their will was to go home and get some rest. But Jesus steps in and he sees them washing their nets. And verse 3 says, And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and he prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. So first of all, we need to adjust our schedule. You need to be willing to adjust your schedule. Their schedule was pack up, clean up, pack up, go home. Okay? Jesus had a different agenda. And sadly to say, as Americans, we're very time conscious. And very often, we're not willing to, to yield our schedule to his schedule, to his agenda. How many times has God said, oh, you need to talk to that person? You're like, eh, I'm tired. I, I've been working all day. I need to get to the house. I'm guilty. Uh, and we need to, to surrender ourselves to his call on our life. To win it. You know, it, the call is not always to everybody to go to Africa. The call is to go to your neighbor. The call is to go to that guy that's pumping gas across the street or across the way from you. Uh, we're called to go to those that, that we're in contact with, right? And to send to those that we can't be in contact with. So uh, Jesus has a different perspective. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. Uh, these guys, uh, Jesus was looking for somebody willing to yield their possessions in time. Okay? Uh, now, I don't know if you want to be on mission with God or not, but I do. And this is, these are the requirements. This is what he's looking for. He's looking for somebody who's willing to yield their resources and their time to him. And so he, he gets into to Peter's boat. Um, so Simon had a, uh, had a ship, right? And Jesus saw an opportunity, and Jesus got into the boat. And so Peter makes a decision. He could have been, he could have said, you know, what are you doing in my boat? Get out of my boat. I'm trying to go home. But no, Peter gets into the boat with Jesus. And, and that's what we have to decide as believers. Are we going to get into the boat with Jesus and have fellowship so that the people can hear the word of God 
And he tells, he tells Peter, thrust out a little. And so Peter, what does he do? He thrusts out a little. And Jesus preaches the word of God to the people and they hear. And, and all, all while this is going on, God's working in Peter's life. God's teaching Peter some things. Uh, you see, we're called to be disciples, and discipleship is a process. First, we watch how he works. Then we watch and we help. And then we work and he helps. And then we work and he watches. And as you, I know this church is very strong in discipleship, and that's how you disciple somebody. You first, you bring them alongside and they watch you work because they don't know what to do, right? And they learn. And then you take that next step and, and you get them involved in the ministry. Uh, you're at the, at the hospital visiting a sick person. You've got them beside you and say, hey, Jay, would you pray for this person? And you let them pray instead of you doing the prayer. Uh, and you get them engaged in ministry. Then you work and he helps. God sends us out to do the work. And, and he gives us the power and the strength to do it, right? And he's there, right there with us. And he encourages us to do it. And then he steps back. Jesus now is in heaven, right? And he left the disciples here. He went to heaven. He sent the Holy Spirit. And so he stood back and he watched while they did the work. And that's where we're at in our lives today. You're in that process. And, and hopefully there are many of you that are in the last stage of that process. But wherever you are in that process, keep moving forward. Because that's the only way that we're going to reach these billions, 3.14 billion people with the gospel. We're going to have to train up others. We cannot do it alone. Uh, first, he asked Peter to thrust out a little, and Peter uh, thrust out and watched him work. Uh, and during that time, when we, we, we just step out a little, that maybe that's working with the children in the children's class, or maybe that's going out on visitation, or maybe that's doing a special, uh, or maybe that's going on a short-term mission trip, or whatever that, that little bit of a step of faith that God's asking us to take, wherever you're at in your life trust him and that's what he's trying to teach us during that time he's trying to teach us that we can trust him and that he is faithful and he's looking to see if we're going to be faithful he's helping us to grow in faithfulness and dependent on that growth uh luke 12 48 it says but he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes and then he says for unto whomsoever much is given of him shall much be required and to whom men have committed much of him they will ask the more Luke 16, 10, and 11 says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in least is unjust also in much. So God's trying to grow us in faith and, and trusting him and, and in faithfulness. That's a stage of discipleship. That's what he was doing here with Peter. And you know, maybe it's as simple as, okay, God, I'm going to trust you to start tithing. Our resources. That, that's a lot of times what we have in our time. That's what God looks at. Can I trust this person with the resources that they have? Have they yielded that to me? Their time, their talents, their treasures. And then he looks from that group and he chooses those that he's going to take to the next level. And that's what he did with Peter. Peter's there in the boat with him. He's finished preaching the word of God to the people. And Jesus says, all right, Peter, now it's time to launch out into the deep. Verse uh, Three, no, verse four. Now, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. And what did Peter do? Peter had a choice. He had a crisis of faith at that point, right? Yeah. Let's hear what Peter said in verse five. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. This does not make sense, God. That's what, that's what Peter was saying. Have you, have you ever told God that what he's asking you to do doesn't make sense? Okay, and that's exactly where Peter was at. But here's the key. If you want to be all that God wants you to be, and if you want to bring glory to him, how did he respond after he said that? He said, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. So we learn to trust him, and we learn to obey, and we learn to follow what does not necessarily make the best rational sense, right? Does it make sense for a 50-year-old couple to quit their jobs and to go to Zambia, Africa. Doesn't make sense to me. You know, me and, me and the Lord's had a lot of talks about that. I'm like, are you sure, Lord? You know, I'm like, it's, it's a matter of learning to trust him and to walk into faith. So we, we see God brings a crisis of faith, and we could go into a lot of verses. 
uh, we have to depend on his word. Without faith, it is impossible. Did you get that? It is impossible to please him. Yet the truth is, is most of us, our faith is so shallow. And the only way you, you grow your faith is to exercise it. That means God has to ask you to do something that doesn't make rational sense or doesn't please you, and you have to choose. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to trust God and trust him with the outcome. Uh, now, partnering together in his work for his glory. That, that's really the, the, the focal point of this message. Obviously, we want to bring him glory, but how do we do that? Uh, verse 6 and 7. And when, they had this, and when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. Now, think about that. He says, this doesn't make sense for us to go out. We fish at nighttime. We're tired. We want to go home. But since you said to do it, we're going to go out and we're going to do it at your word. They throw down the nets, and what happens? There are so many fish that get into the net that the nets break. You think about that. Uh, God wants to bring a great harvest in our life. God wants to touch so many people through your life, but so many times we rationalize our way out of it. We're not willing to do what he says. We're not willing to leave our comforts. We're not willing to, to offer to him our resources or our time. Uh, and we see here, they, they obey and anytime you obey the word of God in faith, the reward is going to be so much greater than you could have ever imagined. Peter would have never imagined all those fish, right? But now he's got a problem. His net's breaking. He's got all these fish and the net's breaking. What's he going to do? Oh, man. So he partnered with Jesus, but that created a problem. Now his net's breaking. He's got so many fish, he doesn't know what to do with them. So what does he do? Uh, verse 7, it says, And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. So there were so many fish that not only did the nets break, but when they did finally start bringing them in, even with their partners and their ship, both the boats start to sink. Now that's, that's amazing if you think about it. Uh, because at that time of the day, you wouldn't catch any fish normally. Okay, that's the God factor. Okay, that's the difference that it makes when God is directing and leading your life and you're involved in what he wants you to do. You will see his fruit because you have his power behind you and you have his word behind you doing the work. Um, a couple of things I want us to notice and then, then we'll end. What if, what if Peter had not launched out into the deep? Now let's say those fish represent men. Because at the end of this chapter, he's going to tell them that he wants them to go and be fishers of men. And that's the picture he was trying to teach them, okay? So all those fish would have been lost if he hadn't gone. But he did go. But then the nets started to break. That's problem number two, right? Now, they might have been able to get a few in, but they needed help. They needed partners to come alongside. They had Jesus, but they needed other partners to come alongside and help with the work. And that's one of the reasons... I would, I would venture to say that's the number one reason why the world is not reached today. Because we build walls between one another and we will not work with anybody else. We, we are a lone ranger. We want to do it all ourselves. And, and God does not want us to be interdependent. He wants us to be, he does not want us to be independent. He wants us to be interdependent, to depend on one another. We're the body of Christ. You don't need an arm out there doing its own thing and a leg over there doing its own thing. We need to work together to do the work of God. So let's say that those guys had not come to help. So you've got two boatloads of fish. And just say those represent souls. They would have all been lost. Do you get that? So the bedwells. Sometimes you think, whoa, they're doing such a great work over there. And I know there are people here that are supporting them. Understand you are just as vital and just as important to the work that they're doing as they are. Okay, They can't bring those fish in without your help. They can't do it without your prayer support. They can't do it without your financial support. And sometimes it even involves getting out of our comfort, comfort zone and going to help. Okay, You see these guys, they left, uh, they, they left what they were doing. They were beckoned to come over. And they came and they helped do some of the work. They got engaged physically, hands-on. 
And if the, if the world is going to be reached with the gospel of Christ, it's going to take us partnering together in our finances, in our time, in our resources, in our talents, in our abilities. You know, I'm, I'm very thankful. I know several of you have been out of the country. I know Jay's been to Zambia, I think, a couple of times at least, right? Going again this, uh, this summer. Um, and we want to give you an open invitation to come and to help. There's a work to be done. There are people that need to hear the word of God. There are people that they don't just need to hear it. They want to hear it, okay? They're not slamming the door in your face. They're like, oh, you have a Bible? Can you teach me? Come and teach me. They will run you down from, if you throw out tracks, give out tracks, and then you go to the next village, there will be people from that village that will follow you on a bicycle for miles and miles to try to get you to come back to their village. They're hungry, and they desire the Word of God. And we're going to let them die and go to hell if we're not willing to step outside of our comfort zone and take what we have, what God has given us, and go alongside them and to partner with them to offer what our nets to help bring those fish in. And if we don't, those fish, those people, those souls, that guy at the, at the very first slide, they're going to be lost. They're going to spend an eternity in the lake of fire in torment forever and ever. But we have the opportunity. We have the privilege. We have the chance to do something about that. God has invited you, just like he invited Peter, to join him in his mission. And that's all. Some, some people want to say, how can y'all do that? Hey, God has offered us a chance to join him in what he is doing. How, how much better can that get? We're able to join God in the work that he's doing. And I would hope that you would have that same desire and that same excitement. The last verse, and we're going to close, verse, verses 8 through 11, he talks about, uh, verse 8, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And they were astonished. All the people were astonished at what they'd seen. And they brought their ships to the land, and they forsook all. So if, we'll, if we will do what God has asked us to do, if we will trust him, then he will be exalted. People will see him for who he is, right? And we will see ourselves for who we are. We're just sinful men. And he will be worshipped by those around us that see what's going on. And then he will entrust us with even greater things because right after this happened, he says, all right, Peter, all right, James, all right, John, you've learned a lesson. Now I want you to be fishers of men. So I hope that uh, we'll take the things here from the Word of God and we'll just do a little bit of introspect, examination of ourselves. Am I engaged? Am I yielded to the mission that God has for me? Am I willing to join Him in His kingdom work? Am I willing to, to partner with those who are doing the work over here and those who are doing the work over here? You understand it goes both ways. So when we're in Zambia, Africa, I can't reach people in Decatur. I can't reach people in Huntsville. So your partnership is a two-way street. It helps me fulfill what God wants me to do as well because we work together. We're a body. And while I'm here in Jerusalem, you're there in Judea, and the next person is there in Samaria, and this other person is there in the uttermost parts of the earth. And that's how we build the kingdom of God. That's how we reach the world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the only way. And we've been trying, the reason we're in the shape we're in, we've been trying to do it every way except for God's way. And we need to do it God's way. Um, I'm going to just close with that. Uh, I'm going to let Jay come and close us out. Sorry, I think I went a few minutes over, Jay. Um, I will say this, uh, just sitting there listening and Meditating, you know, that verse 9 really is kind of where we need to, I think, focus. I mean, Joseph kind of nailed it early on, right? The, the reason the world's not reached, it's not our, anybody else is our fault. It, it, it's our fault. It's not anybody else's fault. I mean, the reason it's not reached is because it's our fault. We have the commission. We got the same commission those disciples had. Um, we got the same Holy Spirit. We got a complete Bible. We have more resources at our fingertip than any culture in history, individually.
appreciate the word, man, because it's the call in my life to get refocused, to be willing to sacrifice my time, but really it's not my time. It's his time. It's the time that he gave me, right, to be used of him to accomplish his mission. And it's not my possessions, they're his possessions to leverage for the gospel's sake and to reach the world. And it's, it's not my friendships and partnerships, they're his so that we can reach the world with the gospel. Thank you, brother. I think that's a wake-up call for us, man. And, and you said something earlier. God said something earlier. You know, it's easy sometimes to be a part of a good church. We're a little church, but I think we're a great church. I don't think we're a good church. I think we're a great church. But we have to ask ourselves the question, can we do more? Can we do more? It's easy to, to think about, man, the, the relationships, you know, the back of our bulletin. We got, you know, all those missionary families that we support. Some of us have been on mission trips, and it's easy to maybe sit back and think, man, we're doing a good job. We're supporting all these missionaries. Some of us are going on trips. We're, we're, we're doing what we're supposed to do, but we, help, we always have to come back to the question, can we do more? Is there, is there more that we can give? Is there more that we're willing to put on the table for the Lord to use? Some of us need to take that first step of going out little. And I appreciate what you said about tithing and, and giving to missions because, you know, we deal with that in discipleship. We don't preach a lot on, on giving from the pulpit. We do handle it in discipleship, right? And that really is kind of that first test of faith, that you can trust God with your possessions because they're his possessions. <laughs> and you can trust God with your money because it's really his money, uh, which actually set me up really good because the month of February... We're going to do a series called Dollars and Cents, S-E-N-S-E, Dollars and Cents, because we want to make biblical sense out of our finances so that we can accomplish the mission. And we're going to start with the tithe. Week two, we're going to talk about faith, promise, missions, giving. Week three, we're going to talk about how to defeat debt. You know this culture in this country is like just consumed with debt. I mean, our government sets a really good example for us, doesn't they? <laughs> no offense to any of you that work for the government. I always joke, we have some guys that work for the government at our church, and I ask, what did we buy this week? <laughs> what, did, what did we buy this week that we couldn't pay for in our government? But we do that in our homes because that's part of our culture. And we need to learn how to defeat debt, and then, and then the fourth week, we need to learn to be content with what we have and leverage what we have for the Lord's sake. And, uh, and that's just God kind of putting his stamp of approval on where we're going. Man, I, I know we're over, so, so we're not going to sing a song, but, but I do want to ask us to really consider what we've heard. And if we would go back to, to verse 8, when, when Simon Peter saw all that the Lord had done in his life, despite his doubt, despite his inadequacy, just being willing to do what, what God wanted him to do, he realized, you know what, I'm just a sinful man. And we don't deserve any of it. Uh, but I'm thankful that God calls us to that. He gives us purpose. Uh, and we have to recognize, man, if we're holding on to God's resources, God's time, God's possessions in our lives, if we're trying to live the American dream as a Christian in Huntsville, Alabama in 2019, uh, we are sinful men. God's called us to a mission. That is the purpose of our existence as a child of God. And so thank you for redirecting and refocusing and, and clarifying what we need to be focused on the remainder of our days until the Lord Jesus Christ comes. So would you pray with me as we, as we just consider these things?